Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is episode the 14. It's episode 14. I can't even uh, remember how many we've done. It's been going so great. Of the uh, EdTech Distilled Podcast. We're excited that you all could join us. Uh, my name is Adam Geisen. With me, as always, is David Lurch. Hello, Adam. Hi, Dave. This is never know. I never really know what I'm going to get when I say that. Do you want more accents? You think that yes, plays well? Absolutely. If you could do some kind of like Cockney thing next time, that would be great. Like uh, Bert from Mary Poppins? Absolutely. Practice All right, that. Hey, yeah. let me draw a chalk painting. <laughs> That's, oh, it's so terrible. But uh, anyway, so we're... <laughs> so we are uh, we're talking coaching again, and we are so excited to have with us Tere- uh, Teresa Engler was with us uh, from Pennsylvania. Teresa, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Sure, it's my pleasure. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, as we kind of jump into um, uh, really what the, the how how instructional coaching and tech coaching has uh, has sort of changed, especially pre COVID, post COVID, because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a new thing that's sort of emerging in school districts, at least in our area. I know that it's sort of been a thing in California and other. Um, other areas around the country, but really we're starting to see it blossom and, uh, and it has, you know, pretty impressive effects, uh, on school districts. And so we're excited to talk to you, Teresa, about how that, uh, how that has worked out for you and what you've seen and how school districts can kind of take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to, uh, all of that, we do have our little, what's new and interesting in technology and ed tech. Uh, so Dave, why don't you go ahead and start with your, things there. And again, all the stuff we're talking about is on our show notes. You can find at the edtechdistilled.com website. Um, and uh, But go ahead, jump right in there, Dave. Yeah, I don't have anything as good as 3D laser printed chicken this time. Um, but I do have a couple of things that are interesting. And I think they have uh, some far reaching ramifications, um, you know, just in every everyday life for people. So uh, first, of course, if you have worked with any age of uh, child in the last, I don't know, five or six years, then you most certainly are familiar with the video game Fortnite. And if you're not, congratulations, uh, (laughs) because uh, you truly have accomplished something that is uh, a true miracle. And um, so uh, Fortnite being as big as it it is in the United States, of course, uh, Epic uh, Epic Games wants to branch out and go, uh, you know, more international with that. And so one of the big pushes has been the push to the Chinese market. And uh, as of this week, uh, November 3rd, when we're recording this, Fortnite has officially been shut down and pulled from Chinese servers. And I guess um, Epic Games had adapted it to be more in line with uh, Chinese customs and uh, more in line with what they had wanted out of a video game for you know a large amount of the population. And um, China recently cracked down on gaming to limit how much gaming uh, kids can do uh, on a daily basis. And because of that, it's hurting Fortnite, they feel like Fortnite is something that encourages almost that addictive gameplay. And uh, they've come to that mutual agreement to permanently remove it from uh, the country, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about that. You know what I mean? Like I I've had junior high students that are literally playing Fortnite. Uh, They get home at four o'clock and they play it until 11 o'clock at night. So (laughs) I I think there are probably some teachers and maybe parents who are like, oh, nice job, China. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, China. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. Not me. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's a socialization thing for me. Yeah. And, and I and I do think, I mean, not to get uh, political or anything, but uh, it's certainly the, and we'll have a link to the article. There are some notes of some, maybe some negative thought with it too, because, uh, you know, China is very much a, it's a communist country and they are very much pro nation and they don't want any negative thought or negative speech about that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that you interact in Fortnite is through text or through talk. And uh, I think some of the thought might be that also yeah. maybe people are communicating in negative ways about the country. And so it is officially to regulate that. Yeah. And, and there's hard no to, way. it's hard to get your thought police into, uh, into the Fortnite servers. That's right. I get and, it. The, and those kids are, are crafty. So, uh-huh, yeah. so, so it's completely shut down, which is, is just crazy. I mean, I couldn't even imagine a video game like that in, the United States, you know, if you have, pl- I mean, showing my age, but modern warfare, call of duty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my jam. And some of the stuff that I had heard just on those servers is just, wow, you know, yeah. really awakening things. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. The only server video games that I've really seen shut down are like the, the, like the Madden ones that, you know, I'd still have like Madden yeah. 14 and right. they don't, that server's not up anymore. Right. So, I mean, that was <laughs> really a hard, ago. that was a tough day when they shut that one down. <laughs> Wait, right. What? I have to, <laughs> Mike, I got to get rid of Jake Plummer now. Or <laughs> you know. yeah. 
Um, uh, the, all right. the, uh, the other thing I have, which is, uh, I mean, I'm a Tesla person, but um, Tesla has officially uh, opened their supercharger network in uh, the Netherlands. So if you're familiar with the way that electric cars work in uh, just worldwide, Tesla has their own set of chargers and superchargers. And then there are other companies that do that. And those other companies typically are backed by government entities to get uh, electric charging stations to you know, everyday people, whereas Tesla is, is specifically made for people who own a Tesla car. And um, I know our government has been working with Tesla to try to open up the supercharger network in the United States because uh, the charging speed is incredibly fast compared to what uh, other charging hmm. stations are. And the Netherlands is the first where it's officially open there. So uh, you could charge at any station, regardless of what car you drive. Where in the United States, you still have to have a Tesla to use the Tesla supercharger. But right. uh, it's a pretty big deal because the tech they have for that is so many you know, so many years ahead of everything else. Everyone's playing catch up to Tesla with that. That uh, that could be a real game changer, I think, for just electric cars and, you know, uh, greenhouse yeah, gas emissions and everything like that. So I don't have any huh. ed tech things. I thought those were kind of cool to share. Those are pretty cool. Um, so mine, I, mine are not ed tech necessarily either. Uh, they are technology based and I, they're pretty fun. I think, uh, the first one is, is a website that I came across. I'm not remember. I don't remember how I came across it, but it's called score a score. It's a website, scorescore.com S C O R E A S C O R E. And basically it's a place where you can, um, get like scores, like music scores for yeah. videos you're putting together. And, um, and it looks free to me. I kind of didn't dive into the licensing necessarily because I got so caught up in this, uh, one portion of it. Uh, so if you go to scored a and then click on homesick in the upper right hand corner, mm -hmm. there's a website where you can create music, uh, that has all this other stuff on it. So I'm going to really quickly share this tab. Um, so that people can hear it because it's worth hearing. So um, so basically, you can pick your underground noise. And so I'll go with lo-fi beats. Sure. You guys hear that? Yeah, yeah. You can hear it? Okay. Yeah. So once you pick your background music, you then can pick the other noises that you would normally hear in a place that you're homesick. Uh, and then that makes it feel more like you're at home. Like you can hear a trapped fly. So here's your trapped fly and maybe suburban traffic maybe city traffic oh wow and maybe you can add some birds or maybe some teenagers talking or like a fighting couple next door or a tv can you kind of, can you kind of hear all that yeah it's cool People you, should, you should start your own youtube channel now just play and scream this 24 7 love it anyway so, so cool. i got totally caught up in that and i thought it was fantastic yeah. and so i explored that quite a bit like the teenagers are hilarious the there's yeah. one teenager he just is like oh like i hate this like it's just <laughs> it's all he says over and over again it's hilarious anyway so that was my so it's the homesick sound so go go get you know, cure your homesickness with some homesick sounds. That is so uh, but the other cool. thing that I noticed while going through it is they also have this page called Presto, which is literally a button that they'll send you. Like it's a little plastic button. And when you click the button, somebody from their team, from their service team will notify you within 30 seconds. Be like, okay, we're on it. Like it's literally just a button that says it's like a, it's like the red telephone on the Batman desk. <laughs> And then they contact you and they're like, yes, what can we do for you? That's it's hilarious. Awesome. Anyway, I just thought that was so funny and, and more people should do that. Yeah. Um, I actually remember if, if you don't, I don't know. There was a thing that came up um, not that long ago when um, uh, raspberry pies were kind of becoming a thing again, right. not that long ago. They've always been a thing, but like there was sort of a bustle, but you could get these little buttons from Amazon. I don't know if Amazon still sells them, but it was like, if you hit the button, it would automatically order you more Tide Pods or whatever. And uh, so you could program what it would be connected to. Well, you can also program those because they're just Wi-Fi connected onto a Raspberry Pi. And so if you, you could set it up in your like classroom or wherever, where if you hit the button, the Raspberry Pi would do something, play music or play a noise or something like that. And that was such a cool thing. And I, I got a couple of the buttons and I never ended up getting a Raspberry Pi and exploring it. Uh, sure. But I really want to. And it makes me want to go back to that. It was really a cool thing, and I'm gonna have to look that up. Maybe I'll put that in the show notes too. I'll add that, that is, to the list. That is super cool. And the other thing that that does, I think, is um, recently I've been talking to our music and our band director just about different good, you know, tools that they use, and, and that's really an untapped resource, I think, for pushing music with kids or appealing to that part of their brain. The Raspberry Pi. 
Yeah. And, or and, just and, that idea in general. Just, just the whole thing in general. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think like that sometimes that gets left behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where we're constantly pushing for science or math or, you know, ELA or, or social studies or what have you. But that's very cool. That's such yeah. a that's such yeah, a neat idea. An, it is a neat idea. Um, so my last little point here before um, we jump into our conversation with Teresa, we've got um, I, again, the idea like you were just talking about with the cars, the electric cars and all that. The autonomous car thing is becoming uh, quite an interesting discussion as the ethics of it are definitely part of the discussion. But there is now autonomous car racing going on. It's obviously this is like a college competition where you've got college engineers putting all this cool stuff together. But um, so they there is a race. Uh, I think it was like MIT. Again, they were at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. um, Not that long ago, end of October. And they had nine cars now they raced individually as like a test but there was nobody driving they were autonomously driving using cameras and sensors and all that stuff a couple of them got up over 80 miles an hour the the highest was 100 um if you can imagine an autonomous car going 100 miles an hour on a track that's, just that's pretty fast absolutely crazy but i love that they are kind of taking this on i mean it definitely is going to lead to something uh, but I thought it was pretty cool. So again, I put the link to that article uh, on the show notes as well. So that's, watch that's out awesome. on the roads. Um, well, and it, what's cool about that, I think, is there's all there's a lot of fear, you know, that autonomous cars would take jobs or things like that. But I don't think they'll take jobs because it's still not a perfect technology. People are right. going to have to physically do things with that. It's just going to be redefining what that thing is. It might not be, you know, changing oil anymore. It might not be physically driving a car, but it might be, you know, having to figure out where's the error in the code. Why is this yeah. doing this? Why is that doing that? So that's awesome. Um, I just drove uh, two hours um, up to a soccer game and then two hours home from that soccer game last night. So an autonomous car would have been like really, really handy yesterday. But so you know. I'm, ho- I'm ho- I mean, this is a total side note. I'm hoping to bring the Tesla to the IETC. And so, and it has now (laughs) full disclosure, full disclosure. That's my wife's car, right? Uh Clearly it is. I drive a Jeep renegade. It's been hit by a deer, right? It's like, just, it's basically like a buggy with four wheels and, uh, you know, without a horse, but the um, the deer hit you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deer hit me. Well, (laughs) I was stopped at a light. (laughs) I, it ran into me. I was gunning for that deer. Yeah. Uh, But no, it's, it's really a neat thing to see the autonomous driving part of it because, um, it just, it's, it's all camera based. And so it just, uh, codes what it sees with the camera and goes from there. So pretty cool. That's so scary. But you know what those cars need is like some kind of coach to help them like learn the roads and and to segue from one section to another section. Best practices. So, right. Absolutely. So Teresa, again, uh, thanks for sitting there and listening to us jabber on about, uh, some silly things, but, uh, we're excited to talk to you. So, um, tell us just a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started and where you are now. Sure. Um, the first thing I did was send that score score to my son who writes (laughs) music. So I just sent that to him. So thank you for that. So my educational journey, um, began, I was, I started out as a first grade teacher. So I, lived in the Poconos in Eastern Pennsylvania. And there was a teacher shortage the year that I graduated from college. And I had a job before I graduated. It was crazy. They put us on the sub list. There were like 16 of us right away that got hired. So I learned also very quickly how rewarding it is to teach first grade, but you do have to be a saint. I um, (laughs) must say that I... I admire first grade teachers so much. I I loved it because, you know, they come to you with a little bit of of knowledge. They leave you with a lot. They're reading and they're doing math and they're writing and it's just the most rewarding experience ever. Um, They grow tremendously. It's crazy. And then, you know, they're ready to graduate onto second grade and you just feel so great about it. Um, Then I, I relocated. We I'm from the Pittsburgh area. And then we moved back to Pittsburgh and I got a fifth grade position with, I was terrified. I was terrified (laughs) going from first grade to fifth grade. I really was, but you know, I fell in love with it. I stayed in fifth grade for a really long time, 10 years. I, my first fifth grade class had 20 boys who tested me daily and (laughs) 10 girls. They brought me snakes they didn't think I would touch them, but I did. And, um, you know, we had them for a while until they escaped. 
And oh, the, the custodians were not very happy with me because oh, <laughs> we were in a, a rural school district and the city girl was teaching in a rural school and um, the custodian said, you know, the snakes got out and, you know, the, the septic system is blocked. And I'm like, oh no, baby snakes. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> yeah. But it was a great year and I stayed there for a long time. I, I love the age because they, they can work independently but they love their teacher. So mm -hmm. it was also a very rewarding experience. And then I had an opportunity to loop with them, you know, to move forward mm -hmm. with them, which was amazing because when I, I was offered a chance to teach in a middle school to bring an elementary flair to the middle school. And I had a, a pretty much a biology background and I taught, you know, dissection and insects and, and all sorts of things. And I, I fell in love with middle school science. And I spent the most, most of my career teaching seventh and eighth grade science students. And, you know, we did a little bit of physics and a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of environment and the whole thing. And I was also what they say is a tech leader where mm. people would come to me for advice on technology. I would write a, sure. a monthly newsletter and, you know, tips and tricks and helping out. And that kind of segued into my coaching experience because my administrators came to me and said, we have an opportunity to fill a coaching position. Are you interested? And so that's where my coaching journey began. That's, yeah, that is a really similar story, I think, to a lot of people who are in our situation that you start out, you know, somewhere things change a little bit here and there. You just right. kind of like tech. So you become the person people go to with, uh, with questions. And then that leads to other things. I think Dave, my story is very, very similar. Yeah. Um, I, being a high school, pretty much all I teach high school. And now I work with K eight teachers. I just, I mean like elementary teachers and middle school teachers. I don't know how you guys did it. Like, I just don't know how. So I'm super, super impressed, especially doing both. But like yeah, both of you do. Jumping from first grade to fifth grade. I mean, that's a yeah. bigger jump than, you know, fifth grade to eighth grade. You know what I right. mean? That's a totally right. different ballgame. What did you prefer? Was it first or fifth grade or just happy to work with kids or? You know, just, I just always loved being in the school and, you know, they mm. see you and they're so excited. First grade loves you unconditionally. Mm. They love yeah. you. You are their lifeline. They, they admire you and they love you, but they are very needy. I mean, they need you the whole right. entire time. So, you know, if you had a toddler at home, I would imagine it would be quite exhausting to be with young children all day and then to go home to be with your young children. But I honestly... I just loved it all. I, I loved being in the classroom. And now that I'm not in the classroom, I find that I long for meeting with the kids and going to see them. And, you know, yesterday I did that. I was in a, a kindergarten classroom and, and they're like, where have you been? We need to <laughs> and that, was, that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of the first times I did, because again, I, I taught high school and then switched to a tech coaching. And part of my job was to go and figure out how kindergarten teachers use their technology and first grade teachers. And I mean, I would spend like a day in there just to kind of watch. And it was like hugs immediately. Like there, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen at the high school. That's a hard thing for me to like really, you know, again, all pre COVID, but um, you know, that was, it was just such a different environment. Uh, still great learning going on. Sure. It was just so different. It was tough to switch, but, um, but so, okay. So now you kind of led into it here at the end with the technology stuff. So you, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Rachel McVeigh, who, you know, um, and, uh, she, we talked all about the, the Google coaching program and all of that stuff. And you had experience with that as well. Um, tell us just a little bit about that so we can kind of at least sure. tie so those strings together. Rachel and I were two of the 50 who were selected for the Google pilot program for the dynamic learning project. And Rachel and I have stayed connected and she's my buddy, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. I think every coach needs a buddy. And um, I, you know, it was a chance of a lifetime. It, it was, it blew my mind to be able to go out to Mountain View and and train at Google with Googlers. And I was in awe the entire week. I mean, it was, it was quite life-changing. I think it was the best professional development that I ever experienced uh, in my career. I, I know they worked us hard, but mm -hmm. they, they rewarded us with such knowledge and such information to be able to take it back into our districts and reproduce their coaching model, which is now the Google certified coaching program. So, you know, the, the Google, um, 
dynamic learning project morphed into what is now mm-hmm. the Google certified coaching program. So that's the model I use. I've been using that model for the past five years and I drank that Kool-Aid and I really believe in that model. And I think it works. It works very, very well, at least for myself and for my district. So tell us a little bit about how that, how it affected your district. See, we took it back. Like what, what, what were some of the changes that you saw sort of immediately? So immediately we had a lot of collaboration. So Mm -hmm. the Google pilot program for the dynamic learning project focused on middle school first. That was our our focus that the digital promise was conducting their research to see how the the digital divide could be, um, I guess, narrowed. So when you bring that professional development into the classroom for the teachers and you make technology available, does it make an impactful difference? And of course, the research did prove that it does help having a coach in place and having the students engaged in impactful ways with their technology. Um, My school, I I instilled this um, collaboration kind of by using badges. So we hung badging charts outside of all of their classroom doors. And whenever they, I started everyone on the same playing field, everyone got four to start with. They were all using Google Drive or Google Docs. I tried to pick ones that were common. And then we would slowly introduce a few apps and tools and techniques and programs. And whenever I would coach a teacher and then see that being used impactfully, I would give that teacher a badge and the badge would go on the chart and that would hang outside of the classroom. And pretty soon you have teachers talking, hey, what's that badge? Hey, what was that? How did you use it? And now you have this natural collaboration. The students were into it. They were like, did you see Mrs. So-and-so has like 10 (laughs) They would go to other classrooms and say, Mrs. So-and-so, can you try what Mr. So-and-so is using? And, I mean, <laughs> That's it was awesome. That is pretty cool. And That's in great. In fact, after five years of this, I just had a high school teacher say to me last week, hey, we use Kahoot in my my math class and, and the high schoolers loved it. And so they are still you know, spreading the word and spreading the news and sharing all of that technology love. And so I saw a huge growth with collaboration. And then reflection, I think, is a a point that sometimes we always forget about. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're in your department meetings or your collaborative time with grade levels, I, I see a lot of that reflection happening. I see, well, you know, I tried this technique with my students. It didn't work so great. And then somebody might say, well, try it with this. And so you have that collaboration, you have the reflection, and then you have that cycle of sharing and that community of learning professionally with one another. Teresa, were you the, were you like the initial coach in your district or was that a position that, so you were the first? I'm the only. Even only now, one. Wow. How big I is your district? So sorry. How big is your district? So, um, they're about, um, maybe 2000 students. We 2, have about students. 160 teachers maybe. Sure. And you're in charge of all that, huh? That's it. Wow. I think that's cool to hear because I, as Adam had kind of alluded to, we're in Illinois and Illinois, especially in our area, I think, because our area is set up into a lot of smaller uh, schools uh, all around us. We don't get to coaching is not necessarily something that you are. You're typically a tech director and a coach or you are a part time teacher and a coach or you're an assistant principal and a coach. And I think post pandemic, a lot of schools are identifying that as a need, you know, as something that we need to leverage technology in a positive way and use it with our students. And I think hearing stories like that of how people have just creatively started their programs, because because what I've noticed in just my very, very short time doing it, um, once you get that ball rolling, it takes off. I mean, it really does. It's just need that initial push. So that is so cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of along the lines of that. Uh, talking about the coaching model with Google and some of the positives that uh, you have seen with that. Um, how how do you feel your position was pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? Because I know that uh, my position, I was uh, teaching sixth grade math and science for you know over 10 years and being a certified trainer through Google, uh, the pandemic hit, and then my superintendent was like, "Hey, we probably need you to do this to serve our district." And so, 
I was moved out of the classroom to then work in a, in a, a coaching position. And then it's kind of developed into a more legitimate coaching position and less of like an emergency position because everybody is remote and we're just trying to respond to all of our different needs and issues. So uh, how, how do, have you seen it change or have you seen much of a change with the pandemic? I have. So, you know, at first, so in 2017 is when I started coaching. So that 2017, 18 year, we were just Mm -hmm. getting our feet wet with coaching. And I was on cycles, four cycles and working with teachers who signed up. Our our system is completely Mm -hmm. voluntary. The teachers sign up for the coaching. And the second year, Google let us, you know, continue into the program with the dynamic learning project. And I, same thing, we had a good cadence going. We had good cycles. I had eight to 12 teachers per cycle. It was still middle school only. So my third year, my superintendent moved us into a K through 12 position. So I now was covering elementary and high school. And then of course the pandemic hit and, you know, it was tough. It was tough reaching out to some of the other schools because I wasn't stationed there. You know, the first two years it was just middle school. And then I branched out into those other areas. And I just felt like, I was getting my my cadence going and then the pandemic hit. And I will tell you that it was almost like a triage. Like we went into hyper mode where I was literally on call like a physician. I would answer text messages at 5 a.m. I would answer them at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. I tried to make myself available because where else was I going? I was home. So I, you know, was answering emails and doing all that. And I was trying to get our staff comfortable with Google Meet. They were amazing. The staff was just amazing. All of them, they just all kind of came together and used me to help them with troubleshooting or used me for app resources or tech tool resources, but they also used me for troubleshooting. And, you know, I, I just did whatever I had to do. I was literally coaching admin and paraeducators and the teaching staff and parents, parents would call me, parents were emailing me, Mrs. Ingler, can you help me with whatever? And so I felt really useful. And I felt like I was able to branch out to everyone. I was super happy to help everyone. And then when we went back to in-person, you know, ironically, it just kind of fell back into place. People were still coming to me for those things, but Mm -hmm. the, the coaching kind of, everything kind of calmed down. And really we had a lot of experts on staff. And so they just knew how to do everything now. So they, they just kind of moved into, we had hybrid first, and then we moved into the the full in person. So now we're back to, I'm starting cycle two this coming Monday. And, you know, I have my eight to 12 teachers signed up and, and I feel like we're getting back into the normal cycle schedule. I think a lot of people in our position would kind of agree that COVID was, while it was terrible and everything, I hated everything about it. uh, It did actually force the teachers to accept the need for technology. It really helped the teachers who were already like kind of pushing the envelope and trying things pre-COVID were prepared and were ready Mm -hmm. to go. And the ones who had been kind of fighting it a little bit were sort of forced into that situation. And, you know, people always kept asking me, and I'm not sure I've said it on this podcast before, but they're like, oh my God, can you imagine? Like, boy, aren't you lucky you're in tech right now? Oh, it's terrible for you. And I'm like, oh, absolutely not. Like, this is exactly the world that I've been prepared for. Right. Uh, It's the Super Bowl for us, you know? I mean, and and that's true. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I think the what's been kind of neat is that people who were uh, against tech, not against technology necessarily, but maybe they were just apprehensive to try it, um, mm-hmm. have have had to use it. And mm-hmm. I know I've seen a lot of teachers who have kind of through necessity or just requirement, they've used it and have found like, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this, yeah. you know, where, where this that innate ability, which is really cool to hear that. Right. Um, and I think the districts that had a coach in place in some way, shape or form, were way more prepared because coaches by definition, you know, the tech coaches that I've met that we've talked to all kind of had the same, like exactly like you just said, like I made myself available. I answered text messages. I was on right. video calls, you know, like the whole time throughout the the shutdown. Um, and that without having that person in place prior to, I think that I think a lot of districts struggled. And the ones who didn't have that active person just, I mean, I feel like they were doing the packets and there wasn't the connectivity and they didn't fight for the one for one. And it was so anyway, so the question then becomes, 
you know, like, so if there's people out there listening to this podcast and want to have a coach position in their district and don't, you know, what are some, what are some suggestions for kind of getting that started? Right. Well, I think a great place to start, not to give a, a, a kind of commercial to them, but I think the Google certified coaching program is the first place to maybe yeah. start. It's free. The curriculum from the dynamic learning project is what the Google certified coaching program follows. And I, I mean, it's wonderful. It's, it's self-paced. It can, I know that there were a lot of Illinois teachers cause I was one of the mentors on one of those programs where right. you know, they had a lot of teachers who were getting certified as coaches through that Google certified coaching program. I also really highly strongly, passionately belong, uh, believe in a mentor. I think that you must have a mentor in place. You need someone who's going to guide you, help you, teach you, but you also need someone who's going to give you tough love when you need it, but somebody who's going to be there to listen when you need it, because coaching can be lonely at times and yeah. you need someone who understands what you're going through. I recommend joining a group or two or three fine coaching cohorts that are out there. There's a lot on Facebook. There's one in particular that I like called Techno Coach on Facebook. And two of my former mentors run that. Um, I just, you know, Heather Dowden and Rachel Swanson, they're running that. And it's just an online group where you could just go ask questions. I mean, again, that cohort online is free. So you can either join one of their cohorts or their formal programs or just be in that group. Twitter chats have been my lifeline. I've yeah. met so many people on Twitter chats. I know that mastery chat was one of my favorites and then it's teach better team now. And um, I follow their blog. I follow those people who are involved because I feel like they're very good resources for me. Um, I just think you can never have too many people in your community. And Absolutely. Um, I, the more, the better. I finally find a buddy, you know, Rachel and I bounce ideas off of one another constantly. And I don't know whether it's because we're right here in proximity to one another, or we just have a great connection and, and she's a good friend of mine, but we talk it, it out. We talk about things, you know, what are our struggles? What are our, our successes? What are our joys and and what are we concerned about? And so it's nice to have a buddy. Yeah. Um, and those 50 original Google coaches are out there. They're in Google groups. They are part of different cohorts. So, you know, use the hashtag that we use that DLP coaching and find yourself a, a coaching buddy and, and then just go with it. Yeah. This podcast kind of came out of a coaching buddy type situation. It really did. Yeah. Dave and I just emailed back and forth. And now, now we chat pretty much every day. And a lot of times it's just like, Hey, how insane <laughs> today literally was, is your, God. is your work <laughs> insane right now? And I'm like, it is stupid. Like that was our chat today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes just having a person to bounce off, you know, somebody who understands and, and that person probably won't be in your district. If you're a new coach, um, you know, you have to look outside of yeah. your area and of your district. And sometimes it helps to get way out of your region and talk to people who are doing things way in a different place because they're going to have a good uh, or a different perspective than you might. Uh, but the coaching, uh, the the Google coaching program is, uh, and I wish we had it when I started coaching way back in 2017. That's, that was when we started doing it. But we didn't have a plan, so we had to build our own. And so that having that like set of pre preset curriculum, the idea of cycles, those things are like that didn't even occur to us at the time. Uh, and I wish we had, cause it would have made things a lot easier, but, um, but I, having that curriculum is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's, um, that is those 50 coaches. Like they're like the special 50 people you gotta try to find that's out right. there in the world. Well, and they're in Alabama, South Carolina. We have right. some in North Carolina. We have now some. So originally they were in Western PA. Now there are some in Eastern PA too. You know, there are some in Texas and California. And then from that program, it branched out and it grew to over a hundred and, you know, more than a hundred schools. So, and it doesn't have to be DLP coaching. It could be any kind of a coach, really. I love reaching out to other states. They used to call me the traveling coach before <laughs> COVID because I would go to ed camps. That's another thing that I would like to, you know, if ed camps ever get started again, yeah, hopefully there's an online one. There was a good one in South, South Carolina, the Greenville online ed camp is a great one. And um, I can connect you with those, you know, the people who run that. But honestly, uh, anyone you can connect with who's in your professional group is, is a help. Yeah. 
Sorry, Dave, where you go? Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, well, we both I, took gasps at the same time. I didn't want to interrupt you. I was surprised. <gasps> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, just talking, hearing Teresa talk a little bit more about the Google coaching program, it, it just blows my mind. I would literally was in the program again uh, the other day, just looking for strategies to help a teacher with engagement. So looking for engagement ideas. And uh, there's just so many things in that, that it really is worth going through multiple times. Even if you have no interest in becoming a coach, if you're ever just looking for personal resources that thing is just chock full of stuff so it's it's highly highly recommended i think um yeah the challenge okay. is the challenge menu that's in there to me is the most valuable because i don't think we know as educators what challenges we're facing sure. i also don't think we like admitting that we might have a challenge so if you go <laughs> through that challenge menu and you see you know assessment as a challenge or or collaboration or communication or differentiation all of those challenges are true near and dear to our hearts as educators so it's it's a good curriculum and and i think that if, if you're in a coaching role, I think sometimes we, we have a tendency to overcomplicate things too. Um, you know, just, just because it might be something where you're not necessarily thinking like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to use Jamboard to start our lesson today. And I'm going to have kids throw sticky notes up about this topic and tell me what they know. Uh, and that's something that you might innately think of, but another teacher may not. And so that having that menu list is just such a good reminder. Sometimes I think to say, uh, oh, you know, this is something we could try and it's simple and it's low prep and it takes five minutes instead of us trying to create a self-paced game board on Google Slides that then you publish to the web and you click this link to go here. You know, starting small and building, I think, is awesome. And that that resource is just tremendous for that. Yeah, I agree. So we are coming to kind of the close of our uh, of our podcast here. So uh, we've just got a couple little things left. But Teresa, this has been really good stuff about about the coaching. And, and I can't say enough. Uh, that administrators, if any administrators are people who have a, a you know the ear of their administrator and don't have a coach position, a specific coach position in your district, this is something to fight for. I think going forward, um, it's tough to couple this up. It, I did it half co teaching, half coaching one year, and it just didn't work. Um, to be very honest, I'm supposed to be coaching now, but as a tech director and a coach and the only IT person in the district, it's not happening. So like, there's just it has to be its own position. And it's hard for me to stress that enough without. Yeah. If I could just say, I always say when you're coaching, if you have a split position, when you're coaching, you're thinking about teaching. When you're teaching, you're yep. thinking about coaching and yeah. it's not well fair. Said. You you need to give a hundred percent of your time to your students if you're teaching right. and you need to give a hundred percent of your time to coaching if you're coaching. That's that, just something I feel passionately about. Totally agree. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, so, okay. So there's other stuff in our lives, believe it or not, um, other than all of these things. And so we do like to talk here at the end of the podcast, about the stuff that we're working on. So Dave, uh, tell us, what are you currently working on right now? Well, in case I wasn't busy enough, I thought, gosh, what's something else that I would like to do with my 24 hours in a day? And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I officially was accepted into an administrative program. So I'm going to be going back and getting another graduate degree to be an administrator. I don't know if I'm going to use it. Uh, but my district has uh, been very um, supportive of this process and uh, and and helping uh, with some of the monetary requirements hey, for it. That's awesome. Take advantage and, of that. And so I think it's just probably time for me to take that dive. So right. uh, that's first. Um, and then right now I've been uh, talking a lot with Regional Office of Educations all in our area about setting up trainings for 2022. And what's what's been interesting is post pandemic, uh, it, it seems like the PD sessions that are going to be offered are not necessarily traditional. So we're not gonna do a Google Docs 101 or get your level one certification for Google. Uh, it's a lot more thoughtful uh, process going into it and looking in terms of how we can best support our educators. And actually for the first time, which is I think is just awesome, uh, we're, we're setting up like year long cohorts to run trainings for paraprofessionals, for district secretaries, uh, for, I mean, just for anybody. We're, I even have one ROE right now who's contemplating doing something for parents who just want to be in the know. They can pop on for an hour, you know, once a month and just, yeah. And it, you know, I don't know how the attendance will be because we're still kind of throwing times out to see, but um, it, that's just been cool to see that thought process move that way because I feel like before PD's always been, you know, here's how you can do podcasts in your class. And now it, I think there's there's just a lot more thought going into it, trying right. to uh, help people. And then, of course, 
Uh, IETC is coming up in two weeks. Yep. Um, IdeaCon is in February, uh, which I uh, have on my on my my presentation list there. And did our podcast the, one get accepted for that, or did it not? I don't know if that one did. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that one did. I don't think that one did. <clears throat> we'll blame Matt Weld for that. That was his fault, though. Right. <laughs> he, what a guy. He won't listen to this anyway, so it's fine. Nope. Uh, you will. He might listen. He'll he'll listen. He's actually pretty supportive. Uh, Absolutely. He, hey, he's Matt. At, He's at, Hey, Matt. He, Matt's actually coming to my district uh, January 3rd, and he's going to oh, be with good. us. He's going to be with us like six times. But oh, wow. and in our house, uh, November 1st means it's officially Christmas in the Lurch household. And so November 1st at 5 a.m., we were listening to Michael Buble's oh, Christmas. Record. So wow, we go. Hard. You, don't, you don't think that's early? Uh, look, man, I'm in the minority <laughs> in my house, so it doesn't really matter. Even if, <laughs> even if I said it's way too early for Christmas girls, no one uh -huh. cares. No, it, they'd just be like, okay, old man, go to the basement. So, right. Yeah. Well, I just feel bad for Thanksgiving music that gets totally overlooked. That's, I'm joking. There's no Thanksgiving. Which is what? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Exactly. I was Char just joking. Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving, yeah. the single song. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, the one song that Adam Sandler wrote, right? The, <laughs> the Turkey Lurkey D song. That was the, That's the only one. My this is a tangent, but my third third grade daughter is super into uh, old SNL clips right now, and I'm not sure how oh, appropriate that is. Yeah, but but she recently watched the Lunch Lady Land uh, mm -hmm. thing and oh, thought it was classic, the, the greatest thing ever. So now, anytime she gets to get on YouTube, that's what she's looking up is old SNL. So, mm -hmm. what about you? Adam? My, you, my you well, oh, real quick, my go my ahead. brother and I used to watch like old olds, like '70s Saturday Night Live on like yeah. Nick at Night. Yeah, so yeah. we used to sit at the dinner table and do the lines from those, which was that was pretty risque back then. And I definitely remember like Fred Garvin, male prostitute, being like my <laughs> favorite sketch. So we would sit at the dinner table and be like Fred Garvin, male prostitute, and like, nope. but I didn't know what that meant right. until years later, and then I was really embarrassed, but still pretty funny and my parents never like told us to stop or like you. they just were like nah, da, 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 da. Run with know it. what it means so we'll just go with it um so right now aside from watching old saturday night live sketches i am also pre prepping for ietc um and which is coming up here also i'm running the gamification uh with the help of dave and some other awesome folks wait what um of help putting that together i'm running the gamification but you guys help me put it together i'm not oh, expecting okay. you guys to do it I'm then uh, but it's fine. I'm still not expecting you guys to do anything. But uh, it should be pretty good. We're using Gameably and we're playing um, IETCopoly. So awesome. we're using the app to sort of recreate McDonald's Monopoly where, you know, when you bought fries and then you got like the little sticker, the little uh, thing on the side of it. And you, it could be one of the one of the spots or maybe it would be some free fries or something like that. So you kind of are doing the same thing. You're finding secret codes around the conference. You put your codes in and uh, you might win some pieces. You might get the parts that you need. And if you get all of the like one color, then you can go take it to the booth and put it in for a raffle ticket for some pretty awesome prizes. Like they're giving away all sorts of cool stuff. Should be, it should be pretty fun. But of course, you know, they're always nervous running a game like that. Um, yes. You should rig because that I've, so I've never done it. Somebody you know wins something nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I should. Just Christmas presents. Yes, and totally. Uh, you know, just to bump this too, uh, the like the popular book in education right now is "Fully Engaged" by Michael Matera and John Meehan. And mm -hmm. that book, if you read that book, because we're we're doing a book study right now on that book. If you read that book and you pair it with Gameably, it is perfect. It goes together like. Screwball whiskey and, Screwball. and cranberry <laughs> juice. About to say that. <laughs> yep. And, and just in the same as bourbon and some uh, syrup and just a touch of uh, and 30 stirs. Bitters, right? 30 stirs. 30 stirs. And, uh, That's right. Uh, so, what are you working on, Teresa? What's going on in your uh, no, it, world? It <laughs> I don't know if I can top any of that. Um, so I noticed you're all writing the IDEA and I was asked to write a blog for that. Hey. Oh, really? Nice. I, it just was published last weekend and, or last week it's on well, smart classroom management. Right. We're going to find that, that and post that in the notes. So I, I did that, um, a few weeks ago. I was really honored to do that by the way. Um, at my school, I started an applied digital skills training for our teachers to earn um, their credit units. For Pennsylvania, it's called Act 48 credits. And this is a big deal because our, our administration is has always been very, very supportive. I'm 
very lucky. Um, but they are wanting teachers to kind of pick and choose some of their professional development paths. And this is one of them we created. They could do it at their leisure. And we are just kind of posting some courses for teachers to take. Cool. And then I am going to be presenting about SEL and storytelling at our state conference called P&C. That's coming up in February. I'm very excited to present that because I did this at ISTE over the summer, ISTE 2021 at the Google Playground. And so I'm going to extend it and go a little bit further with it, just talking about students sharing, you know, some of their feelings and some of their ideas and kind of bringing some SEL into the storytelling using different apps like Story Jumper and, you know, Storyboard That and Pixton Comics and and, and a few other ideas there. And then personally, I have an Alaskan Malamute. He's not quite two years old and wow. he is getting ready to graduate to a better, stronger pulling system this, this winter. So we have been, he just went through therapy dog training mm -hmm. and he's doing scent training and he is also getting ready to go in the show ring. But my big job for him is learning how to pull a sled this winter. Holy wow. cow. That is awesome. so cool. Is he there? Is he around somewhere? Yes, he he's sound asleep right now. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't want to wake him up. Don't wake him up. <laughs> is that something you've done before? Like, have you, have you done he, like... He did last year. So he is my fifth Alaskan Malamute. Um, he is my first boy. We've had girls in the past. This is my first boy. He's a lovey-dovey, big giant, gentle giant. But he pulled some, some kids last winter, some of my nieces and nephews. He could not pull more than 100 pounds at one year old. So... You know, they were on the lighter end, about 40 pounds. We had them just wow. hooked up to a regular sled, but um, like a plastic sled. But this year, we're going to try to get him pulling a real sled. So I'm pretty excited about that. That is very cool. That's a pretty that is, dog. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really neat. My dog what is like cool Snoopy. Thing. He just sleeps upside down all day. So mm -hmm. that's, I was about to say, mine is doing just about the same. Yes. Not pulling anything nope. for sure. He's a worker. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's a cool thing. Let us know. Keep keep us in the loop. We'd love to yeah, see totally. how that works and what how he does. I'm excited for you. That's cool. Thanks. All right, so we're going to close with what we're drinking, which is, you know, what's been going on this whole conversation. But, uh, Teresa, what are you drinking? Because I want to hear, I want to make sure you yeah, get and, all and, of your details. And don't spare in. any details. Be, right. be as detailed as possible because okay, I'm going to go back and so listen to this. I am drinking a traditional old-fashioned. I used Angel's Envy for my mm. bourbon. And I, <laughs> I um, learned how to make these a few years ago from a, a, an old-school judge who invited <laughs> us to – I was not a bourbon drinker, um, truth be told. I was – my husband and I were more – we're very big wine. We like um, old vines, Zinfandel and Cabernet. We, sure. We're very good at, at, you know, picking out a good one. I'm a champagne girl. And I would traditionally drink, if I was just kind of drinking a drink at a bar, I might have a vodka soda. But um, this judge introduced us to bourbon and to rye. And he taught me how to do a true old fashioned where we only use large ice cubes. We do muddle our own, you know, sugar. And if we don't use that, we use a specific type of bitters. And we only use, you know, the, the good cherries, not a regular maraschino mm -hmm. cherry. Um, the Luxardo cherries we use. Right. And we cut a little sliver of the orange. And then you have to stir, yep. stir, stir. 30 stirs does the <laughs> trick. And then you take that ice out and replace it with a fresh large ice cube you never use tiny ice cubes always use a big ice cube okay wow. so i've taken notes and i will be doing the same so i had a conversation with a friend of mine chris mcgee uh who he's a guy who's been in the innovator world but anyway he's in the st louis area and he told me about a uh bourbon called davies county d-a-v-i-e-s-s -S hmm. county it's a little bit cheaper but it's also finished in um I think rum barrels after mm. so it's bourbon it does all it's got all the bourbon stuff but then afterward it's finished in something kind of sweet so he said it's a little cheaper than angel's envy but it's just as good and i i think that's got a real unique flavor to it so yeah um anyway i haven't bought davies yet but i do like angel's envy so anything close is good dave what are you drinking uh screwball 
peanut butter whiskey. If you've not tried this, it is uh, judging by what the bottle says. It won some award for sippability, mm-hmm. if that's a word. Uh, but they did say that it's like the most sippable whiskey mm. on the market. And I will tell you, peanut butter whiskey sounds awful. And it does. When you, I haven't when, tried it yet. When you think about it, you're like, this is terrible. My wife hates whiskey, hates bourbon. She can't handle any of that stuff. She's like, that's pretty good. And um, it is super smooth. Uh, it it the peanut butter doesn't hit you over the head. It's it's very subtle. It's at the back end. And um, if you sort of put a splash of cranberry juice in that, you are doing all right. I mean, it is fantastic. So I would highly recommend looking up. Now there's there's multiple types of peanut butter whiskey. Go for the top shelf stuff. Is the screwball whiskey? That's what I'd go yeah. with. What about you, Adam? Uh, I just keeping it simple tonight. Elijah Craig on ice. Nothing, uh, nothing special to it, but uh, it's special in and of itself. It is. Doesn't need anything else. Nope, doesn't at all. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. We're yeah. excited to have you with us and taking your time out of your busy schedule. You got a lot going mm-hmm. on and training uh, Alaskan Malamutes. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how much time that takes. It cannot be easy. Um, so we're we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about oh, what you got going on. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we enjoyed it. So again, Dave, thank you for joining us as well, as always. Absolutely. Always you have here. to be here. So I live here, actually. I mean, yeah, it's like right. the Matrix. I'm like Neo. I live inside. So. Uh, new movie. New Matrix movie coming out. Yeah, I can't wait. Right. I'm super pumped about it. Okay, moving on. Yes. We uh, This has been the EdTech Distilled Podcast. Again, you can find us on all of your podcast places, uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify and all that stuff. Uh, you can look us up on at uh, edtechdistilled.com. That's our website. Uh, join the conversation. You can definitely uh, shoot us a message and let us know you'd like to be part of the show. We'd love to have you. Uh, you can also um, look us up on Twitter at uh, edtechdistilled. That's our handle. And uh, join the conversation there as well. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Teresa, thanks again for coming. And we'll talk to you soon.